Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six of the Open Mic Podcast. My name is Caroline. I am a junior at Columbia University, and I'm so excited to be hosting this series where we'll be talking about school and life and everything in between. Each episode will feature a new topic and a different guest. And today, I'm so excited to be introducing my good friend, Anna Christo. Anna, thanks for being here today. Thank you so much, Caroline. Really happy to be here also. Um, yeah, so I'm a senior at Columbia and in Columbia College. I'm originally from the DC area and now I've been on campus this year. It's, we're pretty much online, but a lot of people are still on campus, a lot of seniors especially. And I'm a bio major at Columbia and also doing a psych concentration. So concentrations are a lot like minors. Um, that's just what we call them at Columbia. And so I'm doing those two things and have taken a lot of bio and psych classes and also involved in TAing and research and a few clubs. Anna and I know each other from my first year. Um, was that also your first year at Columbia too? It was, yeah. And so we both were in the 8:10 a.m. lit hum class. So that is one of our core classes. I, know, I remember that first class so well because I remember everyone got there so early. I remember too. Uh, I think I got there 10 or 10 minutes early or something. And so many people were already there. And then everyone, and then the professor walked in at 8:10 on time and was like, why is everyone already here? Because everyone was so eager because it was like our first class at Columbia pretty much. I remember even when our professor asked, when we started reading something, she asked if anyone wanted to volunteer to read, like everyone raised their hands immediately. <laughs> and then that like slowly dropped off also. Yeah, so that was our first lit home class. And we also discovered that we both lived in Fernald our first year. So I lived on floor four. I think Anna lived floor one, right? Yeah, I was on the first floor, right? Like where the lobby was. Yeah, you had a big single, right? Was it a single? It was a double oh. that ended up turning into like a single, like a, oh. yeah. And it was huge though. And yeah, it was right on that first floor, which was pretty convenient. Mm -hmm. um, a little loud with like all the lobby noise, but mm -hmm. definitely really convenient to not have to go like on the elevator or anything. Yeah. And Fernald is so convenient and like such a good location. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I would, I would recommend for first year or if you're lucky enough as a sophomore to get in. Every morning we would also go get I think, I don't remember if I consistently got breakfast as the semester went on. I don't know if I woke up early enough for that, but um, we would go to Ferris, which is right next to Fernald. Did you always get your like token breakfast? Yes, I would always get either oatmeal or like a bagel with peanut butter. Mm -hmm. um, I think, yes, it was always something with peanut butter. If it was oatmeal, I would add peanut butter to it. I love <laughs> peanut butter, but I would always get that like every day at the exact same time mm -hmm. around like 7.45 or something, we would all meet there mm -hmm. and- there were a bunch of us, I think probably six or seven of us at that table that we mm -hmm. always would sit at. Yeah. And then I would always be hoping to get an omelet, but then sometimes those take longer because like mm -hmm. they have the ready-made and then they have the, the per order, I guess, omelet station. But yeah, if you ever get the chance to go to Ferris, definitely get that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, those are good. And yeah, they're definitely worth the wait in the line if you have time. But if you're rushing to like an 810 class, you don't always have time. <laughs> Yeah. And so in both of our first years, uh, we lived in Fernald. So I was a, it was like my, right after high school, I think Anna transferred right into mm -hmm. Columbia. And so do you kind of want to talk about yeah. that process and why you did? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I started off, I did like my first year of college at UVA, the University of Virginia. And then I transferred here to Columbia as a sophomore. 
and I transferred for a few reasons. I definitely liked UVA a lot and made a lot of good friends who I'm still friends with now. Um, but I didn't think it was the best fit for a couple reasons. Um, I ended up, it's a really big school, like 10 or 15,000 undergrads compared to Columbia that's more like five or 6,000. And especially coming from a really small, like all girls high school, I kind of wanted like smaller classes and just like a smaller environment overall. So that was one reason. And the second reason also is just the location. Um, I'm from like the DC area originally and my high school was in DC itself. So I was really used to like living in cities and everything and going to school in the city. And Charlottesville where UVA is, is like a pretty small town. Um, not yet, like pretty much. It's kind of mostly dominated just by like the UVA students there. Mm -hmm. And I definitely like, like love New York and kind of wanted to be in more of a city environment as well. Mm -hmm. nice. So yeah, those were my main reasons for transferring. And the process itself is a little bit easier than applying to college for the first time. It's a little bit less time consuming. <laughs> so the process starts a little bit later. You start applying around like January-ish and then you find out in May and you have to redo the Common App but the essay, there are fewer essays and they're definitely less like creative and more just like, why do you want to transfer and things like that. Mm -hmm. And when did you hear back from them? Yeah, it was around May. Oh, so around Ooh. kind of like the same time. Yeah, I, I, yes, I think around yeah April or May. I think there are no interviews. Oh. Yes, for that. So you just submit the application and that's it. Okay. And it's, yeah, it's, you have to redo like a lot of it, but it's definitely like going through it the second time around also is easier. I didn't apply to as many schools because I kind of knew at that point what I was interested in. Mm -hmm. Applying to college for the first time, I had my options like much more open just because mm -hmm. I wasn't really sure exactly what I wanted yeah. um, until I actually like got into it. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. Yes. And one other thing, actually, I forgot to mention earlier, one other like academic reason that I wanted to transfer was a difference in the bio major programs. Um, yeah, that was actually a pretty big one too um, that I forgot to mention before. The bio major at UVA is like much more broad, um, whereas at Columbia it's focused a lot on like molecular bio and even classes like physiology, which I took last year and I know Caroline took this fall. Mm -hmm. um, that even is focused like very much on like molecular mechanisms of everything. And that's something I'm much more interested in than, as so I wanted to take more like targeted classes mm -hmm. compared to like a more general overview. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely what you said about um, the reasons, knowing your reasons for why you wanna transfer, especially if you're, if you're applying to college for the first time, it might be difficult. You might have an idea, but you haven't really experienced it yet. So then I feel like after your first year, you get a more, like a stronger grasp of, of what you really want. And so I feel like that makes for, for good, um, transfer reasons too. Mm -hmm. And talking about the bio major, how are you liking it so far? And what are your, what are kind of like the requirements for the bio major here, specific classes that you have to take and which have been your favorite so far? Yeah. Yeah. I love the bio major. I've taken a lot of electives um, because of how like my course schedule has been with transferring. So I have like a lot of recommendations and things uh, <laughs> about different classes. So the bio major overall includes uh, some chemistry classes and some physics classes. That's 
mostly just going through like gen chem and orgo and then intro physics. These you would do anyway if you're pre-med. So there's a lot of overlap with that. And then, then there's like the bio component, component of that includes a year of intro bio. So most Columbia students will take intro bio as sophomores um, and then after that start the electives. But since I took intro bio as a freshman, freshman at UVA, once I got to Columbia as a sophomore, I started right away with the electives. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of one reason that I have taken already more than most students. Mm -hmm. um, yes, yeah, so you have a year of intro bio and then there are two like, of these core classes that usually are like genetics, molecular bio, or biochem. So you have to take two of those and then two electives. And there are many electives to choose from, like 15 or 20 probably total. And I, yeah, most of them are really interesting. And like, there are just so many different topics you can choose from. The ones that I've taken are physiology, genetics, um, biochem, and immunology, and virology, <laughs> and finally, antimicrobial resistance, which I took this fall. Mm -hmm. I think that's all of them. Yeah. And physiology is definitely a really great one. I actually TA'd for that also last fall, and that's definitely a really interesting class and also really good preparation for the MCAT and med school. So you go through like most of the major like organ systems in the body and study them from a really specific perspective. Um, and it's not really focused on memorization or like of just like the anatomy itself. It's really focused on like how these processes work and what happens when things go wrong at different stages and kind of thinking through all of that. Mm -hmm. We would yeah. also have, oh, sorry for, sorry for interrupting, yeah. but yeah, I also agree. I really enjoyed physiology and we also did have case studies, which mm -hmm. kind of is a real life or a real life scenario. And then students work in teams to kind of give a diagnosis or try to explain what is happening in the body. Um, I remember there was one on the cardiovascular system. There was one on, I think definitely like kidney functions or just different organ systems. Um, and I will say that physiology and also the intro bio course at Columbia are really focused, like Anna was saying, not on memorization, but on actually understanding what is happening and being able to apply this to, to new contexts as well. Yeah, definitely. And that's definitely a little harder than just memorizing everything, <laughs> but for sure, like that's really good preparation for being like doctors in the future or, and then and for other classes too, it's really important to be able to think about everything like critically and also just as more interesting in general like the case studies when those are like really in-depth and you get into a lot of good discussions um so those are all really interesting mm -hmm. and yeah the case studies and physiology also has like group problems pretty much every class and so you break out into groups there so that definitely is a good way to meet people also and because it's a pretty big class maybe 40, 50 people maybe, but if you break up into groups then you get to know most of your classmates at some point. So that's really nice, definitely. How did you find virology and the other electives? Yeah, oh, I loved virology actually. And I took it last spring. So that was really perfect <laughs> timing to take it. Mm -hmm. um, 
even I mean, any time, even this spring, COVID still going on would be a good time, but especially last spring, because we were start like in the beginning, we kind of like traced through how like COVID just kind of started, which was interesting. Like our professor started talking about COVID from the very beginning as something like very isolated in China at the time. He used to every class would show us a big map of the cases in the world. And it started off with like a little tiny bit, nothing in the US and then slowly increase. And on the last day of class, he showed us the map from the first day. And at that point on the last day of class, we were all at home. School had been online for a couple of months. So that was definitely really crazy to see. And overall, I really liked that class. That was probably also one of my favorite bioelectives too. You don't go through like each type of virus, you study viruses overall. And so you can get like a general overview of just like the general principles and then go into detail about different viruses. So I thought that was a really interesting approach, definitely and focused on just like the general skills. And it's really such a, like you really gain like such an overarching overview of like everything related to viruses and it connects to a lot of other classes too. So we started off focusing a lot on molecular bio and how viruses reproduce inside of our bodies. A lot of genetics was in that also. And then slowly like broadened to focusing on like the immune system and then like vaccine design and then finally like virus, um, how viruses evolve. Mm-hmm. So really like you definitely study them from so many different levels. So that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think the professor, is it Professor R? Ro- yeah, Rackin Yellow, mm-hmm. Vincent Rackin Yellow. I think I'm saying that correctly. Yeah, I think it's a podcast, right? A virology podcast. Yes, um, so on the first day he told us, and he's teaching this class only for undergrads, only by himself too. He doesn't have like any TAs. He's oh. really, he does everything by himself and is really so invested in this class. He usually teaches at the medical center, but is teaching this, and I think has been for the last few years, really just because he wants to teach undergrads about virology and thinks it's important to know. And on the first day of class, he told us like to follow him on Instagram (laughs) and to watch his podcast, listen to his podcasts. It's called, his podcast is called This Week in Virology Mm. or TWIV. TWIV. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like the, the acronym TWIV. Yeah. <laughs> that's cute. yeah. So yeah, so that's really interesting for sure. And then he yeah, he references his podcast every once in a while. Also. <laughs> and he posts a lot on Instagram too, which is really fun. Oh, that's so fun. You can follow your professor on social media. Yeah, I remember we all followed him and then he posted a picture of our class taking the first exam. Like oh in, my in the lecture hall. And then so we all, like, I could see, I zoomed in. You saw from, yourself? Yeah, it was really interesting, kind of weird. But request to request them to tag you. <laughs> he has a lot of followers, actually. Really? Yeah. Oh, check him out after this. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about outside of, outside of the specific, like, bio classes, whatever your, what classes have you enjoyed um, with regard to the core or with regard to just, like, fun classes? Yeah, I've also taken a lot of fun psych classes towards like the last year, especially. Um, I kind of ended up front loading the bio major Mm. kind of by accident. It just sort of happened that way. And then in front loading most of like the pre-med like classes. 
and now and then started taking psych classes so I really thought those are really interesting and then I realized I had enough classes to get the concentration in that <laughs> so I recently declared that just this past fall yay and so th- yeah so I've taken a bunch of fun classes um in psych that I really liked this past fall I took developmental psych and abnormal behavior and previously have taken also cognition memory and stress that's mm-hmm. one class um just with a long title <laughs> and behavioral neuroscience oh that's a lot of um electives yeah just for fun yeah. right initially and then mm-hmm. it and, yeah initially just for fun because I had taken intro psych um mm-hmm. for like the pre-med requirement at UVA and really liked it so then took another couple here and then yeah. started adding them on it's interesting definitely especially like the behavioral neuroscience that one is kind of since neuroscience is kind of in the middle between like bio and psych it's definitely interesting to compare like everything from the bio versus the psych perspective mm-hmm. in psych we're learning it's kind of a broader overview of everything and from yeah whereas bio is more specific so that's definitely interesting to have both perspectives on that Mm-hmm. I feel like it's also good because since we're pre-med, um, definitely complements what we're going to be doing in the future. Like definitely looking at the hard science part, but then also looking at psych and the way that the, uh, the way that humans think and the way that we perceive things in the world is is a good is a good um, good tool in our toolbox to have. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely, and I've always wanted to take this one psych class called social psych. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been wanting to take it like every year and I've gone to the first class three times (laughs) because I always sign up for it and then, or try to sign up. And then it's not, it's a big lecture class. So it's not hard to get into it. Just every year it's only offered in the fall. Every year it's always conflicted with some like required class. Mm -hmm. So then I've never, I never got to take it, which is really unfortunate just because of scheduling stuff but the first class and I've had friends who've taken it that definitely seems like a really interesting class Mm -hmm. Um, focusing on how like people interact how um, we behave like in motivation and things like that Mm, yeah so for people who might not have registered for college classes before sometimes if it is I guess depending also on the professor's schedule it's offered like either always in the fall semester or always in the spring semester. Sometimes it switches, or I guess like sometimes they have it both in fall and spring. And so if there's a class conflict, it's really difficult to be able to take it if that is only offered in one semester, but definitely understandable based on how the university like schedules work out. But yeah, so Anna highly recommends that (laughs) if you're ever able to take it. Yeah. And I think usually like that's kind of rare and like kind of weird that I'm tried three times to take it. I feel like with most people, like that doesn't happen that often. It usually ends up being that you can't take it one year and then like the next year you can take it. Yeah. Um, it ended up being, I could have taken it this year, but then one of my, glo- the global core I wanted, oh. that's another like requirement for the core for Columbia. The one that I wanted conflicted with that. So I ended up choosing that global core. There were other global core options, but I just ended up choosing this one mm-hmm. so yeah de- if you want to take a class you usually will be able to do that <laughs> mm-hmm. and how are the global cores how have they been for you yeah I have I took one last semester and so we had, you're supposed to take two and they're each semester long classes 
and most people do them like later on like junior senior year but not always mm-hmm. I've just been doing mine now senior year yes. so last semester I took culture health and healing in East Asia and for this coming spring I'm signed up for East Asian cinema Ooh. so oh. those seem like definitely really different but the one in the fall I really liked the culture health and healing class mm-hmm. and it's, it was just a different perspective on like medicine we learned a lot about different like disorders like especially it was mostly focused on like mental health specifically Mm -hmm. so we focused a lot on psychological disorders that are specific to a particular cultural group cultural group and how we can kind of reconcile that and think about it with like western criteria versus Mm -hmm. like their own cultural practices and that yeah that was definitely there were a lot of pre-meds in that class Mm -hmm. and because it was like the only global core that was kind of related to medicine and science (laughs) and it ended up not it ended up being like very focused on like colonialism like the legacies of colonialism and yeah how we use like western criteria to characterize phenomena in other countries Mm -hmm. and in other groups so that was definitely really nice to get a different overview of medicine that I've been used to in my other classes. Yeah, my friend Lulu, who was on episode five of the podcast, she's a CS major, and they also have to take um, a global core, and she also recommended that specific class. Really? Yeah, uh uh-huh. I don't know if you know her. I mean, since it was virtual, maybe, maybe it was, like, more difficult to meet people in class, but... It was a pretty big class, too. It was, we had, it was, like, 70 people, maybe, in the lectures, Okay. and then we had, like, a discussion section once a week so that was a much smaller group with like eight or nine students and a TA and she definitely was not in my discussion so I think I remember everyone from that that's but, really big for a global core right 70 people yeah so it was the like the lectures were pretty much just the professor talking and then occasionally like a couple times a class we would have breakout rooms mm-hmm. um for a few minutes but yeah I think in real life it's pretty much as big, like the same size. And then you just like talk to your neighbor instead of having breakout rooms. Mm-hmm. What about extracurriculars? Are you involved in anything on campus outside of classes? Yeah, yeah, a few different things. So the main thing this semester or, and last year too is uh-huh. that I've been a TA for a couple different classes. And I'm also involved in a couple clubs that we can talk about later probably Mm -hmm. but yeah the TA definitely has taken up a lot of time and has really been like one of my favorite parts of Columbia and like my experience here so last fall I TA'd as I mentioned earlier for physiology one of the bio electives and this year I've been TAing for organic chemistry lab and Mm -hmm. yeah those are definitely very different classes and it's definitely very different to to TA for an in-person class like last year (laughs) compared to a Zoom class and especially a Zoom lab class because that's much different than when it's much different than when I took it. Yeah. Um, so I was actually in Orco lab this past fall, so virtually, but unfortunately I was not in Anna's section because she was a TA for it. But um, from, we can talk about it from like a TA and from a student standpoint. Yeah. So um, as a student, so usually it is, 
usually Orgolab is 1.5 credits in the fall and the spring. So there's Orgolab one and Orgolab two. Um, and so that would be in person and you would meet, I think once every other week. Is that mm-hmm. right? Okay. And then the so virtually they offered the same format, but they also offered a three credit one semester Orgolab. So it, it's every week instead of every other week. So I took that option. Um, and so for the first four labs, we were doing hands-on experiments at home. And then at the like near to like the middle and the end of the semester, we started watching experiments done online by our um, lab professor. And then we would break into, we would have like a hour or maybe even like two hour long lecture. And then we would go to our other Zoom room basically um, and meet with our TAs then and then just to analyze the data and then write our post labs and everything like that. Um, so that was from the student student standpoint. I thought it went pretty well, especially since considering this is like the first time this this style of of a lab mm-hmm. was offered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the, yeah, so I as Caroline mentioned, I TA'd for the other section that was just like the traditional sequence of like how it was like before COVID, mm-hmm. which again is like one and a half credits and spread over two semesters. So that's what I took like two years ago and. You meet on Mondays for a lecture and then uh, later in the week for your like lab that's a few hours long and you only meet every other week. So that's definitely really nice, especially you don't have, you kind of have an on week and then an off week. Mm -hmm. And that on week is quite busy with like the three hour lab, but then you have a whole week of not as much to do with like no orgo lab really at all. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely one of my favorite classes when I took it two years, I took it as a sophomore. It was definitely my favorite class then of the ones I was taking at the time and overall probably one of my favorite classes at Columbia. I really liked Orgo overall and lab in particular was just like really fun and a great way to see what we had been doing in the lecture class applied like in real life. Mm -hmm. And especially in the second semester, you do a lot of fun experiments like we made soap at some point at one point and yeah and then we did some one experiment with nutmeg so Mm -hmm. it's definitely like really really fun and like you definitely know especially if you're taking it at the same time as the lecture you really know like what you're doing in the lab Mm -hmm. and TAing for it has been really fun It's, it's really busy but definitely really fun and so now this is all online so we have the lecture on Mondays is not much different than it would have been in person, except it's just like on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And that's big. It's like almost 100 people in that lecture each week. And then later on in the week, we have the lab sections. And those are all in like individual breakout, like Zoom rooms with like your own TA and about like 10 students per TA. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's a much smaller group and you get to know everyone in your lab section. Yeah. And since it's online and we can't, we you have to use like a combination of at-home experiment kits and videos, like Caroline said also. For our class, that's like spread over two semesters where we were given like this like at-home glassware and like they're like plastic so you can't like break anything and we were just using water. We weren't doing like actual experiments. We were just learning, teaching the students like how to use all of the different glassware. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's that's cool. Yeah. Because I think for like the condensed version, it was just like we I think well, we definitely had a video like about explaining all the different glassware, but it's I think it's cute. Like we're using like water to demonstrate the the different techniques. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's pretty much just like learning how to use everything. Yeah. And, and we also had some videos for the experiments also. I was Anna's the video producer. Professor <laughs> because I was on campus and close with the professor. So I um, was making the videos for with her in the lab. And it would, t- so we would do the same experiments that would take about like two and a half hours or so for us to make. And then it would end up being like a half an hour long video or something. Cause we ended up kind of condensing it. Uh-huh. So it's, yeah, students would just like kind of go through the video quickly and record their observations. And then we'd spend a lot of time in lab itself. So during those like three hours on Zoom, we'd spend time like going over what we saw in the video and analyzing the data and then going over like the theory and the reasoning behind the different steps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just remember like watching, we were doing reflux refluxes so basically like heating a mixture at like the boiling point um and be like reflux for one hour and then it'd be like (laughs) and then like 10 seconds later everything was done um so I guess that was was nice to to be able to to see our results very fast forward yeah I know I remember because we were sitting there for like so long and the video (laughs) were just like yeah reflux for a few hours for an oh, hour or so yeah but yeah so in lab like in real life before it was online we would be in the lab for like a long time three four hours and there was a lot of downtime such as when you're refluxing or mm-hmm. waiting for like something to boil or really like anything there's just a lot of downtime so that's a really good way to meet like the, and get to know the professor and the TAs mm-hmm. and then also your classmates as well yeah so yeah that's yeah, lab classes definitely are a great way to make friends and get to know professors. Mm-hmm. And so talking about lab classes and labs in general, have you been involved in labs outside of classes or like research in any in any way? Yeah, yeah, I've been involved in research in a few different capacities, like overall, like over the past, over summers, and, um, like at home and then also at Columbia. So at Columbia, a lot of people are involved in research at Columbia and the bio major has like a lab requirement Mm -hmm. so you can either take two like lab classes or you can do like research outside of it and people do kind of a mix of things um I would say maybe more the majority do independent research but I'm not sure the exact statistic but definitely a lot of people do independent research because it's a great way um, and just like a fun like breaking your schedule too and a great way to have like your own project and think about different questions in science outside of the classroom and so I was working in a lab on C. elegans these like really tiny worms and like really tiny you can't even see them with like the naked eye only under a microscope and so it's a genetics lab focusing on characterizing the development of C. elegans and I was looking at one like particular protein and how it's involved in the development of a certain type of cell in the C. elegans. And I met this professor, this is Iva Greenwald, it's my professor, Um, she's like the head of the lab. I met her through her genetics class 
So I took that as a sophomore at Columbia in the spring. And she's a professor of that. She co-teaches it with her postdoc also in the lab. Mm -hmm. So I met both of them through the class and definitely really enjoyed, enjoyed the class and got to know her like during office hours and then joined her lab the following year. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so then in terms of like research in general, I mentioned that I got involved in that lab from like meeting the professor through a class. And that's definitely one way that a lot of people get involved in research is like just talking to TAs maybe and seeing what lab they're a part of or even like the professor and seeing if you might be interested in their lab. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people also will just like cold email professors and that's definitely very effective as well. Mm -hmm. It seems kind of intimidating, but if yeah, if you like show, definitely professors like on campus here or even like at the medical center mm -hmm. really want to have students work in their labs. So it's definitely, they're definitely more approachable than you'd think. Mm -hmm. And cold emailing is basically just what it sounds like, kind of like it is emailing professors whose work you might be interested in. So definitely they, like a lot of the I'm going to guess like most labs have their own website um, and on there they have descriptions of what they're researching and also different publications that they have. So it's a good idea to kind of look through what they're doing, um, see if you're interested um, and then shoot them an email, just like expressing your interest and asking if they'd be willing to take on an undergrad student in their lab. Mm -hmm. And I also uh, definitely say that um, the professors are generally really nice and some they'll, I, I don't know, like the percentage of time that they will slash won't reply. But sometimes like don't take it personally if they don't reply because they're also very busy and their inbox is, I'm assuming it's always flooded um, just because they are managing their lab and also sometimes teaching classes and have a lot of other, other things on their plate. Um, so yeah, just like keep shooting your shot and, and um, hopefully you will get a positive response. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And what about like clubs outside of outside of research and outside of classes? Yeah, so the two like main clubs that I'm in, I'm involved in are AMSA, which mm -hmm. stands for the American Medical Students Association, and CSR, that's the Columbia Science Review. And so I joined both of those, both AMSA and CSR, in my first year at Columbia. So that was as a sophomore, and have made a lot of really good friends from both of those mm -hmm. and had really good experiences. So yeah, first with AMSA, that's um, the main like pre-med club at Columbia. And it's a relatively big club overall, maybe 50 or 60 people, like, or maybe even more total. Mm -hmm. And then it's the main, like the parts of the club, it's broken into like two components. There's like a general body component and through the general body, they have a lot of like panels about how to get into med school, how to find research opportunities, um, things to do like volunteering opportunities. There's also this annual student doctor dinner that I always really loved going to. And that's when we, we invite like a bunch of doctors from the area to come talk to students and there's really good like Italian food every year. I remember so I went really fun. Yeah. When we were on campus. I was like, oh my gosh, I think we sat at the same table or something we like did. that. Yeah. Oh. I, like two years ago, I think. I think so. It was a long time Last ago. Year, maybe. Yeah. And Anna's actually president, right? 
mm-hmm. of Elsa. So yeah. yeah, she is um the leader of the club. Um, and definitely I can see why, because Anna, she is always so willing to help and always just like a kind face to see on campus. Um, so yeah, thanks. Aww, thank you. Yeah. I just remember like receiving an, e- so I'm on the listserv for AMSA, but technically I'm not a, like a member of it. Um, and then I just saw this, like, I think it was like an intro email at the beginning of the fall semester. And it was like, oh, your president's like Anna and someone else or something, or maybe just, <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah, oh I think gosh, we sent Anna. an email with like all of the people who had like positions this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's cool. So definitely like if you are involved in any st- sort of student organization um, and you want to be more involved in the planning and the the coordination of everything, um, running for an e-board position is, could be mm-hmm. a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I was started off like as a sophomore, just like as like a member of the club. And then my, the sec- second semester, sophomore year, and then junior year started getting like kind of moving up in the e-board I guess um so I was first the like public health co-chair so AMSA also has these like subcommittees called like public health global health bioethics and women in medicine that kind of also meet on their own so I was mostly involved with the public health committee and so I became like co-chair of that and then later on like this year became president yay What advice do you have for incoming pre-med students? Yeah, yeah, overall, definitely. Yeah, for in AMSA in particular, that's like one way to meet people. And overall, definitely to like keep an open mind about really everything, like what classes you want, what majors, research also, and then like clubs. So yeah, definitely not to like lock yourself into anything right away without like always definitely keeping an open mind about everything also like when you're looking for research not to like just like pick the first lab that you can find um just like to have something I know like I have a few people who've done that just like kind of found like the first professor who would reply to them just like joined that one really quickly and ended up not really actually liking the research that much it's definitely good to like like look at like really consider all of your options and really think about like if that would be a good environment if you would like doing the research like long term over like a few years maybe um because you'll definitely be spending like a lot of time there so it's important to look and make sure that you don't just like pick the first one you could find mm-hmm. and um yeah I would also say like as a pre-med student um like Anna was saying like don't lock yourself into like any specific clubs or extracurriculars um, if you haven't explored them enough um, and also being open to joining like non-academic clubs as well I know a lot of people enjoy being on dance teams mm-hmm. they enjoy being in I feel like there's like a there's just like very um, special interest clubs as well so that will definitely help you to find your community um, outside of academics and it's also a good way to to take a mind mind break um, during the semester Mm-hmm. definitely yeah it's definitely good I've a lot so many of my friends are pre-med just because of like how classes are like you end up meeting so many friends in classes and clubs mm-hmm. and everything so like so many of them are pre-med yeah. um, but it's definitely important and like really good to like branch out and try to meet people who are have a different major than you and who are not pre-med also just because like all of your classes are going to be like 
pre-med science all the time, research and everything. It's definitely always nice to talk to people with like different majors and who are doing like totally different things. Mm-hmm. Do you think, um, did you live with a roommate your junior year? I did not. Junior year, I lived in a single. Oh, yeah. right. No, yeah, same, same. I was going to ask like, because I know a lot of people meet people outside of their majors through roommates or kind of through like, living with someone else in a different department. So I was going to ask about that, but yeah, I also lived in a single in Hartley my, mm-hmm. I guess last year mm-hmm, before we moved back. Um, what has yeah. been, oh yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, just, yeah, I was just going to say a lot of juniors usually live in singles overall. Mm-hmm. Um, some sophomores too, but that's a little bit more rare. Yeah. And you can, yeah, based on how like the housing lottery is, seniors get the highest priority. So they get to pick their dorm first and then mm-hmm. junior scene and sophomores yeah. so it kind of and, it, you, and then you have like a, you're assigned a number based on that just like randomly so it kind of is all based on luck I think Columbia has a good number of singles um especially for first years yeah um, and then as you go on to becoming a, a junior or a senior they also have a lot of singles and since you do have first priority in choosing um you'll like there's a high chance you'll get which whichever room you want. Um, but then there's also, I feel like seniors also live in suites a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's, I feel like that's because like you, you're meeting people throughout your four years. And so you, or three years up until your senior year. Yeah. Um, and then you're like meeting people you want to live with. Mm-hmm. So that's nice too. I think Anna, you're living in yeah. EC now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the two main like dorms that seniors live in are EC that stands for East Campus. That's like on Morningside kind of and like 116th ish so it's kind of on like the far side of campus and like the exact like opposite of like Fernald and (laughs) so that's like a big like high rise it has some high rises up to like the 20th floor or something and then some townhouses and they're all like mostly singles in a suite of about like four or five people depending on which like suite it is Mm -hmm. and there's also like a bathroom and a kitchen and a living room so I really like it definitely it's nice to have like my own room to have like my own space here and have there's like my own like sleep schedule and everything and then but also get to be with people and have like a kitchen and living room here yeah. especially nice during COVID also because we're spending so much time here that it's nice to have like the extra space in like the living room mm-hmm. is and it- yes that's one main dorm the other dorm that a lot of seniors live in is Hogan and that's also a similar style of like singles in a suite. Mm-hmm. Is this the room that you lived in for the fall too? It is, yeah. And then so you went home for break and then came back? Yeah, yeah. so I went home around Thanksgiving and just like stayed until January. Mm-hmm. Usually like if it wasn't for COVID, we would, most people would go home for Thanksgiving and then like come back mm-hmm. and then stay for a few more weeks and finals and then go home again for winter break. But uh-huh. yeah, because I'm from like um, outside of DC and which, I mean, it's pretty close, but it's not like right down the street. So, yeah. and also with like the COVID, there are a lot of like quarantine rules now in New York. So it made more sense just to go home at Thanksgiving and stay there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. And so talking about like, I guess campus life in general, we can, we can talk about that. What is, and then move on to some fun, fun questions and and a Q&A at the end. Um, what is your favorite dining hall on campus? 
Yeah, my favorite. So, but yeah, my favorite dining hall is definitely John Jay. Um, yeah, John Jay. Is, so there, yeah, there are three main dining halls: Ferris, John Jay, and JJ's. Mm-hmm. And JJ's is more of like it's open, I guess, all day long, but it's more of like yeah, like fast food and usually more of like a late at night type of thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I like. I'm not a big fan of JJ's overall. I like rarely go. I don't eat like that much fast food or like that type of thing in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably that's why. And it's, yeah, but a lot of people like it. That's probably, that's a really popular one. Yeah. But then of like the kind of like normal dining halls, it's between like Ferris and John Jay. And I definitely like John Jay a lot better. My like main theory that everyone says is right is that the best food at Ferris is better than the best food at John Jay. <laughs> the worst food at Ferris is worse than the worst food at John Jay. So I haven't heard that before. No, it's like, yeah, I think it's pretty accurate. Like Ferris is either like really good and sometimes they'll have like really good like tacos or like smoothies sometimes, things like mm-hmm. that. But then John Jay, I think is like consistently like pretty good. Uh-huh. And you could always like find something good. So there's a greater range at Ferris, mm-hmm. and then you would say the median or the mean is higher at <laughs> the mm-hmm. mean grade would be higher for for John Jay. Yeah, that's what I think. Is that it's just like consistently like mm-hmm. okay, like fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's never like extremely spectacular, mm-hmm. but never like horrible. Yeah. So and this, yeah. yeah. And the style for John Jay is kind of like, it reminds me of Harry Potter style dining where, I mean, there's no like food does not magically appear on your table, but you go and you get your food and there's like a lot of tables just set out like in the large dining space. And there's also another room in the back. Um, and then Ferris, because it's located in Lerner, which is a student kind of student activity center. Um, there's like two floors to that. And so I think John Jay is overall bigger, right? I think I think so yeah it's yeah it's all like one floor too and I kind of like just like the style of it John Jay's like and the whole building's overall is like older Mm -hmm. and it's more it's like it's a it's really nice a nice dining hall it has like but it's like more like wooden tables it's Mm -hmm. a little like older looking um whereas Ferris is like super modern Mm -hmm. and Ferris is also a lot more crowded I think overall like the traffic, I feel like the traffic into and out of Ferris sometimes and then like up and down the stairs. But. Oh, up and down the stairs. And then people like drop their food. Yeah. And, like, and then yeah. someone else doesn't see it. <laughs> They'll step in. But, yeah, yeah, so always watch your step in Ferris. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Ferris has like a few stations that are kind of like the same thing always, but it's like a you order when you get there. So that's like the omelets that we talked about earlier. And then also like, this pasta station so they they make pasta like for you there you can just choose from different like toppings a different type of pasta things like that so that's always good too Mm -hmm. there's definitely a long line for the pasta though yeah there is there is there's a salad bar and there's also Mm -hmm. pizza yeah um what about outside of food so after you uh you have a good dinner where would you go to study ah yeah um there's I know there's so I, I kind of switched my like favorite library throughout my years here so I started off always going to Butler that's kind of like the main library it's right in the middle of campus right right where like Ferris and John Jay are Mm -hmm. and that's like 
if you've probably they probably showed would show you on tours and if you look up a picture of like Columbia's library you would see like the famous room that we have yeah um that's Butler. yes that's yeah. ref that's 309 I think um I think so yeah I think mm-hmm. so yeah yeah it's just, like big beautiful room with like chandeliers and everything and I used to always study there sophomore year and then I like started it started to get like really crowded around like final it always gets really crowded in butlers butler around finals time it's hard to find and, a seat sometimes too yes I know and it's like then you get into all the fights about seats and everything because <laughs> people try to save their seat it's like a big mess in there during finals and yeah so then I started and just like to try something new I started going to NOCO which is mm. stands for like the northwest corner built it's a whole building with a lot of like science labs there and there's also a coffee shop there and then they also have a library and that's like a lot more modern and like more like windows and things like that compared to Butler but it's mostly like cubicles especially like one floor of it's these like cubicles and I love studying in cubicles um I like only study in cubicles (laughs) so I like having like my own little thing there Uh um so that's why I started to go to NOCO and I've kind of been going there since like junior year-ish. Yeah, it's so nice. It's like, so it's the glass building just lets a lot of sunlight in and there's also different floors. So on the first floor, I think is the kind of the collaboration floor. So you can talk with people and then the second floor is the quiet study floor. Is that right? Something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the cubicles are pretty spacious. Yeah. Um, yeah, you and have your own like little outlet there. Mm-hmm. Um, the chairs are nice because they're like rolly chairs <laughs> and they can like, adjust them. So I think <laughs> the chairs are a little more comfortable than in Butler too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Butler ones are like wooden ones. Oh yes, I remember. Oh my gosh, it's been so long. I filmed some study with me's in <laughs> in Butler Ref and then Butler Stacks and and NoCo too. So that mm-hmm. was like already probably a year ago, more oh than my a gosh, year. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Lehman is another library too that I um, used to like a lot. I haven't gone there in a while because it's not as open now during COVID, but um, it's in the International Affairs building, which there are yeah, a bunch of, cl- I think intro bio classes are there also. Yeah. So it's a library that a lot of people don't really know about because it's not, it's just sort of like in a random building but that's really nice too it's never really very crowded so you can always get a seat during finals mm-hmm. and there are a lot of like group study spaces there if you want to work on like a project and like talk out loud and then there's some cubicles in like the lower like the basement area of it that are just like super quiet yeah agree I also like Lehman so I had, I had Spanish in there and then I feel like sometimes before or after Spanish I would go down so it's kind of like in the the lower floors of, mm-hmm. of SIPA, right? And it's really big. Like you will, you'll go in and you'll see the main floor of the library and then you can go down and then you can go to like the, there's another hallway that extends from it. So it's like, there's many different places that you can study in there mm-hmm. specifically. Um, what about, what is your favorite thing to, to do for fun in the city? Uh, um, definitely trying like different, foods and things like that also like this is all like before COVID for sure but I loved going to the new Nordstrom (laughs) (laughs) not just like not even to buy anything there um just to like 
browse for fun, like try mm-hmm. on things. Yeah. And so they just made this North. This is like my hobby, like last year, um, because they made this new, like the first Nordstrom, I think, in the city um, last like fall. And it's oh. huge. It's like seven floors. Like it's literally, like, it's huge. And they have. I remember like, you texted me about that when you were there, or I forgot the reason, but you were like, I'm in the new Nordstrom. Yeah, it's like so nice. I went one time because I think my friend had gone once before, sort of by accident. She was in the neighborhood and then was like, this is literally the nicest place ever. I it's like, it's so beautiful too. It's like kind of different than like most of the other ones. Um, and they have like five or six restaurants in there. Mm-hmm. So, and with like really good food and so that's what last year I loved going there with different you friends. There after after we go back, I haven't yeah. I haven't seen it. I don't think. Oh my god, it's the best! I know. So it's like I would go there, like eat eat there, um, then like try on just so <laughs> fun. <laughs> yeah. Do you, how long does it take to get there from Columbia? From Not very long. It's near Columbus Circle. Oh, okay. So Which you can yeah, take so the that's, one, right? Yeah. So you take the one, and if you take the express, also. Um, it takes so really not that long, 15 minutes, maybe. Yeah. So express stations, in case you're not in the city, um, they're basically, so you have your locals. So one train would stop at every single stop on the way. And then the express would go like from Columbia and then the next one, what was it? 96th street or something like that. Um, and then it would just go really fast and just jump over some local stops. So if you're in the city and you need to take the subway, um, also be careful of um, the express ones because in case you want to go on the local and then you're on the express, it skips over the stop you're wanting to stop at. So yeah, yeah. definitely. How has that been? Like um, riding subways at in New York, has that been different from, have you like done that before? coming? To yeah, New York? I've only gone a couple times now, like in COVID, you mean in COVID? Oh, oh, I meant like, um, like taking the subway for the first time, but also like, how has it been oh, different? Oh yeah. Yeah. Not being from New York. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like the first time it was like kind of confusing for me. Cause I just like, you kind of have to pay attention definitely. And like know where you're going. Um, especially cause it can be really crowded in there and then you can't hear all the stops. Um, <laughs> but it's definitely easy. I almost think it's easier than like in DC, for example, because all, it's all like numbered and in general, like navigating the city, since everything, all the streets are numbered, you can kind of just follow the numbers that way. Mm-hmm. Whereas in like a grid, you're like, it's like kind of harder to like, you have to remember the name. So overall, everything's just like a grid. So it's relatively straightforward. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now during COVID, I haven't gone very much on the subway. So I've been, yeah, I've been trying to stay like closer to campus anyway, but I've gone a couple times and it's definitely much quieter and fewer people yeah a lot fewer people yeah definitely do you think it's like cleaner I think it is I think it see like it looks a little cleaner I Mm -hmm. apparently they clean it every night Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense (laughs) Uh um let's see what else oh have you gone to any Broadway shows not while I've been at Columbia actually Mm -hmm. um I know a lot of people do um and a lot of people like there are a lot of lotteries that you can enter like through Columbia or like through some like other like outside thing too yeah. and get like free tickets or like super cheap tickets um so I know like a lot of times like outside of learner they'll have or like inside on like these ramps in learner they'll have like different tables set up mm-hmm. and people will be like advertising their clubs or people might be like selling like mm-hmm. tickets for things so I know a lot of people who find like 
really good tickets for Broadway shows. But I have not actually gone now that I've been at Columbia. But also a lot of our classes offer opportunities to kind of explore the city too. Like two of our classes are art, core classes are art hum and music hum. And through art hum, you go to a lot of museums. So like the Met, the MoMA, things like that, places like that. So that's definitely a good way to explore the city too. Were you able to take art home and music home in person? Mm-hmm. So I took art home in person last fall, fall 2019 uh-huh. as a junior. And so I went to all of those museums. So that was definitely really fun. Yeah, and the Met in particular, and we can get into the Met for free. I think most of the museums, and but I know the Met for sure. And that's really one of my favorite museums probably. And then, but music home I took last spring. So it got cut short before we could go to the opera. So usually for an in-person music home, you go to the Met Opera and we were going to go actually the first week of March and then it got canceled right because of COVID. Uh-huh. Yeah. And for those like for access to to museums and just to to get in without an entrance fee, um, you do. I, I remember I went I don't I think I, I remember I went once, but then I didn't have the sticker that of that particular semester. So on your ID, you have like fall 2019, spring 2020 or something like that. You need to have this, the sticker to show that you're actually enrolled in order to get in. So otherwise you have to pay the <laughs> pay the entrance fee. But um, yeah, just a, a tip and a hack in case you're ever, ever at Columbia and going to a museum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's definitely a really nice thing to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and during NSOP, which is our like orientation, new student orientation program, program. that's what it stands for. Yeah. So that's for all like the freshmen and then like transfer. So I did it as um, a sophomore. That's like the week before the first week of classes. And that's just like a great way to meet people. And you s- learn all about like the transition to college and the transition to Columbia in particular. And during that week, there are a lot of opportunities to explore the city as well. So they have a lot of tours of the city. I remember going on some tour of like Midtown. So we went to all of like the main like places that everyone goes to. And you also go to a Yankees game, which is fun too. Mm -hmm. I did. (laughs) I filmed my OL, so orientation leader experience from the last time we had in-person NSOP. And I do, I remember the, the baseball game. That was fun. You would, you, that's like a good practice to take the subway off campus. It is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cause you go as a group. And so it, you can see everyone wearing the same shirt as like an orientation leader or just people with like Columbia on their faces and just like Pantone 292 everywhere. So you won't really get lost that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what was, was transfer ends up kind of different from regular ends up? It was different. So we were in, so yeah, everyone in NSOP is like broken up into groups with one OL leader. And so we were in a group with only transfer students or like um, exchange students or like combined plan, which is like one program where people go to like a different school for their first couple of years and then start Columbia as like a junior. Mm-hmm. So we were with like only like non-freshmen pretty much. And it was, yeah, it was interesting because we had like pretty much we went to the same programs as the freshmen. So there are a lot of programs about like the transition to college and things like that. Oh. Which is a little weird, like seeing that the second time around. Because I already like 
knew about the transition to college and had already done that. Um, so yeah, that was one thing that was a little weird, but overall then like besides that, it was a great way to meet other transfer students and just to get to know like the school and the city. Mm-hmm. A few of like three or four um, other transfer students who were that I got close with in my orientation group, I'm still really good friends with now. So a lot of people definitely make friends in orientation. Yeah. Meeting the people from transfer NSOP would be really interesting too, because in, I guess in regular NSOP, it's everyone's coming from high school and just like it's the summer between high school and college. But then when you're in transfer NSOP, you get to meet people, not necessarily like in their sophomore or junior year, like people who are in different programs. I think there's like a Sciences Po program too. So like Mm -hmm. they studied in France or they studied abroad or something like that. And I feel like you can just meet really interesting people that way too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, there are people, if they had taken like gap years, I think they would have been like after Mm -hmm. high school, they would have been placed in our group too. Um, So yeah, it was definitely interesting because everyone had done something different their like first year or like the first couple years of college. So it's definitely interesting to meet different people that way. Yeah. And the school's really so small, like like even smaller than you think, even though there are like five or 6,000 undergrads that like many people that you'll meet in NSOP will like reappear later in classes. I remember like one girl that I had talked to in NSOP then like didn't really see at all for like two years because um, we were in like different majors and just like, different like completely different reappeared last year in one of my core classes so Um, that was yeah it's definitely fun to see people again yeah and I feel like just walking around campus before we when we had in-person classes you see like like especially if you're on the same schedule every day Mm -hmm. um, you see the like the same faces and just you you recognize them you you might not know who they are but you'll just feel like oh I know that person like um like as I walk up low steps from from Hartley to to Pupin, I'd be like, oh, this person also is going to class at the exact same time. <laughs> so I don't know if that's weird that I'm just saying this, but. No, I say the same thing. And I remember like when I first started as a sophomore, that was one thing that I noticed that was so different compared to UVA because UVA is like a very spread out campus. It's like a huge campus and there are three times as many like undergrads, but also like the campus is like from one end to the other probably takes like 45 minutes to walk um yeah so you don't see as many people just randomly that you would know especially Mm -hmm. just because they're all like diluted in there um so yeah it's that was a huge difference I remember at Columbia the campus is so much smaller yeah um one end to the other is probably 10 minutes at the most or something so it's definitely like much more condensed and everything like the dining hall definitely everyone's just like packed in there that Mm -hmm. like I would see, I remember the first like couple months, I noticed that in like a given week, I would see like everyone I knew probably mm. like at some point. Yeah. And sometimes it's just when you're going into the dining halls or when you're walking on the on Butler lawns, or if you're walking past low steps, which is where a lot of people like to sit and sunbathe. So that's nice. I thought it is a popular hangout spot. <laughs> yeah. I love low steps also. I didn't sit, sit like that often compared to now during COVID on low steps um I would sit and eat there occasionally and a a lot of other people would sit there like more often but now that I've been on campus during COVID especially like earlier in the fall when it was warmer um I would eat there like every day 
um, or like sit outside there with friends, just like, just like see, it's just if you see people outside is better than like yeah. obviously inside for COVID. So mm-hmm. I would sit there like all the time. And it's, you get such a good view of campus that way. You're kind of overlooking um, like the alma mater, mater statue and like you can see the trees um, that they light up around like in the winter. So it's just like such a nice view and you get to see a lot of people too because it's so, so central of a location. Yeah, I think I've only ever like sat on low steps for like once or twice throughout college. So I I need to do that more when we go back because it's like, it is a quintessential part of being a Columbia student is hanging out on low steps. (laughs) Yeah. What about talking about some, uh, some fun questions about classes? Do you remember your favorite book from Lit Hum? Yeah, um, I'm trying to think, we are so- I'm many. trying to think too, I actually don't know. Yeah, the first semester was a lot. So we kind of like went through like time sort of. So like the, we started off with like the Odyssey and the Iliad, like in just like ancient Greek books pretty much. And I really liked the Odyssey and my family's Greek. So I like have grown up like reading like different versions, like kids versions of the Odyssey oh. too. Um, and I still always love that story too. Like, Definitely. And especially since I go to Greece pretty like every couple of years to visit family there, mm-hmm. um, they'd reference like places that I've been to and different oh, islands. So, cool. so I still really like the Odyssey a lot. Also, I like Macbeth from second semester that we read. What about from CC? Because Lit Hum, so Lit Hum is more about, what would you, what would you kind of? Yeah, I think it's definitely more focused on like literature you're just reading like kind of key books and like it's like western literature too um throughout time so yeah we started off with like ancient greek texts and moved into like what else like jane austen shakespeare mm-hmm. kind of things like that and definitely just focused a lot on like literary like analysis of it and then cc contemporary civilization is like the second year long core class that people take yeah. and that's definitely more focused on like philosophy and like political Political. theory oh I was gonna say the same thing yeah political theory (laughs) yeah I really like CC and I had a really great professor too we would start off with like Plato and Aristotle then we would move on to some Machiavelli Mm. would read Locke and Hobbes and Rousseau I enjoyed reading Hannah Arendt the origins of totalitarianism Mm -hmm. and I was also in the A10 CC which was very early oh yeah no I had I think mine was at one or something like that not A10 I don't think I had another A10 since since lit hum (laughs) that's pretty early I know and you the great thing about college also is that you can like choose whatever time you want generally your classes to be and I don't know why we ended up, or especially I ended up with two eight ten. That's quite early. I yeah, I generally am a morning person, but eight ten is like early when we were in person because you'd have to like walk across campus um, and everything. Now, if you're online, I guess it's easier. <laughs> and I guess it's good to start with an eight ten because you're up and you're actually doing something productive, like going to class, and then you have the rest of the day to, mm-hmm. I mean, t- take other classes, but also to to do your work and just meet with friends and things like that. Mm-hmm. And to kind of wrap up the podcast with one last fun question, what is your favorite Columbia tradition? Yeah, that there are definitely a lot of them. 
And I think my favorite one is the tree lighting that so the college walk is this like walkway that kind of cuts through the middle of campus and it's lined by like trees on both sides and starting in like December through March or like I guess the end of February they like put up like a bunch of like lights on the trees Mm -hmm. so the entire walkway like all of the trees um have lights on them Mm -hmm. and before COVID there's like an official like tree lighting like ceremony so they would like people would gather there and they'd give out like t-shirts if you got there early enough and then you yes and then then you'd like count down and then the trees would all light up Mm -hmm. so that's definitely really fun and seeing those trees every day in the winter like is so, so nice definitely especially in the beginning like it puts you in like a nice holiday mood and then like even after in January it's like really like just so nice to see those yeah and definitely it having those lights makes the winter time a lot a lot nicer and a lot happier I think because just walking from one end of campus back to your residence hall you'll you'll definitely pass by college walk and just see everything lit up is really nice otherwise it would just be really dark I think especially in New York with the type of weather we have in the winter Mm -hmm. um and it's always a photography spot um, everyone's profile picture after tree lighting is like an update of them standing by the the lights on college walk so that's really fun I know I have so many pictures of the trees and like of me in front of the trees um <laughs> everyone's pictures like they all look the same because like yeah. they're just like the trees um the trees. but there's yeah they're so pretty though and I just got got back to campus this week mm-hmm. um so that was like the first thing I wanted to see in the once it got once it got dark was to see the trees because I didn't see them in the fall because I had left by the time they lit up the trees. Yeah. So that's really like for sure a highlight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a good note, a good and happy note to end off on. And thank you so much, Anna, for doing this and for sharing all of your advice and tips on on Columbia and on the bio major and on the core also. I think we talked a lot about that and like gave some really good insights into that. Um, do you have any like last last note advice to give to people who are applying to colleges now or who are awaiting decisions or who are entering college in their first year? Yeah, yeah, definitely. For like, yes, current like seniors, I guess. Um, it definitely, everyone says this, but like it is true that like it always will like work out if you don't get into like your first choice. Um, and end up going somewhere else. It's definitely everything will work out. And if you don't end up liking or you don't think your school's like the best fit for you, transferring that I did um, was definitely like great. And I'm super definitely glad, even though I really liked UVA and made good friends there. Definitely transferring to Columbia was a great decision. It's definitely a much better fit, smaller in the city for sure. So yeah, definitely like to keep all of your options open and like even like transferring is great too and definitely once you get to college just take advantage of everything that there is um even just like and yeah little things like that like small like traditions and things that like they might offer at the school um things like that like the tree lighting make sure to go to like small things like that yeah and I'm also happy that Anna transferred because then I got the chance to meet her and now we're friends so that's really great too and just meeting like meeting the different people with different experiences being open to that 
Yeah. So if you're watching this on YouTube as a video podcast, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe and let us know what you'd like to see in future episodes. And if you're listening to this on any other streaming platform, podcast streaming platform, make sure to follow and like as well. And Anna, we're doing this thing on the podcast where we do a virtual high five. So we're going to high five to our side. I think that's, okay, I'm going to go this way. Oh gosh. I always forget which side I'm, we'll just try multiple ways. Ready? Three, two, one. Okay. Yay. And that is the end of the podcast. Thank you, Anna, again. And thank you to everyone for listening. And we will see you in the next episode. Bye.